Praise the Lord, everybody. Glad to be here tonight. Glad to be in the house of God once again. He's a good God. He's faithful and true. He's always there for us. He's, he's not like us. He don't have alternative motives. He is there for us no matter what. So uh, let's, let's begin this service tonight. I know we're all tired. We all work for a living and we're all wore out. But we, we can have enough energy to stand up and raise our voices and our, lift our hands and open our hearts and uh, worship God and give him some thanks and praise for tonight and have him invite him into this service. name. Oh, worshiping God, giving thanks to God will take, take up the slack in a lot of areas. We, we want to open this service with prayer and remember Pauletta's family. You know, she may have lost her battle with COVID, but she won the war. So we just need to ask God to uh, be there for her family and to help those that are left behind and comfort them and strengthen them. And, uh, and uh, he'll do it. He'll do it, so we need to pray for, pray for her family tonight. And uh, Dee Dee requested prayer for uh, Gary and Tyler Miller. So the house, their house burned down today. So uh, pray for them, and I'm sure that's uh, devastating. Anybody got a special request tonight? Yeah. Yes. Ask God to heal him. Yes. Yes. His mother. Remember my oldest son, Casey, his wife, Jackie. Anybody else? Well, let's take these needs to the Lord in prayer. He's a prayer answering God. He's faithful. Oh, we love you.
Brother Isaac, would you take up an offering? Let's worship with the singers tonight. Well, I'm glad I know who Jesus is.
the Lord. You can be seated. I need to talk with you about a few things tonight before we get too far into the service. I apologize, but you're, this is the best time for me to do, do that. I do have the uh, North Point United Pentecostal Church, which is in the town of Sperry, uh, booked for this coming Tuesday night to do peanut brittle. Um, I, I'd hope to give you several uh, uh, dates that we could do this. Unfortunately, the uh, <clears throat> Sperry Church has an event going on on Thursday, and, um, and then soon after that is the actual uh, Jubilee here in Chelsea. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, hoping that you can work with me on this. Um, Elaine and I will go over with all the supplies and everything at 2 o'clock on, on uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday, with the intention of getting things ready uh, check out what the facility looks like and get all the all this materials and everything together. Um, and then um, I'm going to just ask that you could come whenever you are able uh, due to your job and different things that you have going on uh, so that we could go ahead and uh, I'd like to get some pots going right away and so that we're not waiting for everyone to get there later on at 6 or something, but that we uh, can... I, we're only going to do about 30 pots, which won't take that long. But uh, it does take all hands on deck. Really would be good for us to have at least eight people there uh, because it just, it just uh, really does take a few people to make every, every step work and uh, with the timing of it all. So it's going to be fun. Nothing to be afraid of. doesn't matter if you've ever made it or not. We can, we, um, Elaine is a professional. Uh, she is... Who knows how many thousands of pots she's, she's made over the years. And uh, that was one of our main stays in Sperry when we were pastoring there. We certainly uh, made a lot of money through that. But it is a great product. I think um, I'm just asking you to believe me right now, but we'll let you try some when we are there that night. But it's really tasty stuff. And um, uh, I've, I've tried a number of different churches, peanut brittle, over the years. And I am a little bit biased, but I will tell you it's good stuff. Okay, and uh, so we'll be able to have that, and that's what we're going to sell so that we can get out there and meet people uh, at the Jubilee or Jamboree, whatever it's called. And uh, uh, Brother Short's going to try to work on maybe getting us a sign. Uh, we're very close on the young man getting our logo ready. I'm not sure it's going to be ready on time because we're really down to the wire to get this ready. So I may not have our new church logo, but we will do our best to have cards that we can touch people's lives with, and also that we'll be able to have a, a banner up so they'll know who we are. And uh, so that's going on. Just a couple other things. The, uh, Friday the 1st of October, uh, we are going to have a, is our Section 1 uh, youth night, and it's going to be a bonfire in Shoto, and uh, uh, I am probably going to try to be a part of that, and I'm hoping um, any of our <coughs> young people... <coughs> Want to go? We're hoping that they'll go with us. Amen. I've already pre-warned them. I was going to harass them. And uh, and then our jamboree is the second. That's a Saturday. On the ninth, uh, brother and sister Erickson are going to be with us. Now that the ninth is a Saturday, and what we're going to try to do is have I'll have more details up on the board, but we'll have a luncheon uh, where we all can come in in the fellowship hall, and then I'm going to be able to have them just come in with a topic that they can help us with. They'll bless our church and uh, ask them to prayerfully choose their own topic on it. I want them to have freedom 
And then Sunday morning, Chris will teach our Sunday school lesson. And then also he'll come over and preach uh, here that morning. So it's going to be a Chris Erickson weekend, okay? And uh, I think most of you probably have heard the Ericksons in the past, but uh, uh, he is truly uh, a great, great man of God, a great minister, a great Bible uh, a man who studies the Word of God. And then um, uh, on November the 5th, uh, is another Friday we're going to have a youth rally in Miami, Oklahoma. And then on the 6th is when Brother uh, Kraft is going to be with us. And uh, Brother Studance, I think that you all are friends with Brother Kraft, George Kraft. Yeah. Um, he's going to be with us. And the, the 6th of November is a Saturday. And that will be just, again, we're going to do the same thing that we did for the Ericsons. We're going to have lunch and be able to have them teach on Saturday. And then... Uh, teach Sunday school, whatever he chooses on Sunday morning, and then be able to preach and have a, a message here. And so with those three things going on, you can invite people to any of these events, okay? And we would love to have people come out, and I assure you, neither of these men are going to hurt anyone. Uh, you don't have to be afraid of that. They are going to, they are here to build the kingdom. They want God's kingdom to grow, and uh, you will be blessed of that. And um, uh, truly, I wanted you to be aware of all those things. So that's a lot of announcements coming up. I, I'm leaving the schedule up here. We'll have one on the board. And um, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call. And uh, thank you so much for all that you all do. Amen. Uh, to have growth, we've got to have something working. And uh, we're, we're working at having some activity in our community and uh, having some speakers come in that are going to help you and I, plus anybody that hears them. Amen. So God bless you. Uh, Brother, uh, Sister Short, come back and lead us in another song, lest I kill this spirit here, giving you all these details. God is so good, isn't he? Yes, he is. I'm so thankful tonight. Uh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. Amen. It's something worth living for, isn't it? God bless you tonight. Page 325.
Praise the Lord. Would you worship the Lord tonight? Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. The Lord has done so much for us. He's paved the way for us to have a glorious life. Oh, and think about heaven someday. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if you all would stand tonight, I want to give honor. So thankful for Brother and Sister Nance being with us. I was trying to figure out how that we could just pay them to have them on staff, but I know that they have a very important work in prayer, and uh, their son, his wife, and the good work they're doing there, and I, I so I would be foolish to even try to compete with that, but I, I think we just need to have them come every once in a while, amen, and touch and bless this church, and I appreciate the answers so much, and uh, last week, he talked about leaving the 99 and going and searching for that one. And I am looking forward to what the Lord is going to do tonight because we need God to speak to the church. we got to use us for what God made it to be, a time where he could speak to you and I, amen, that we would be recharged and renewed and encouraged, but that we would leave this place and do something for God's kingdom, amen. God bless you, Brother Nance, come. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise God. You can, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be uh, with my brothers and sisters in Chelsea. Praise the Lord. God is good. And of course, our, it seems like our hearts stay heavy. Just lost so many lovely people, brothers and sisters. Through all of this pandemic, something I guess we never ever believed would happen. Uh, they call it a pandemic. I don't know. Maybe it's a pestilence. Seems more like that to me. But uh, God is on the throne. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Praise the Lord. I I, I don't want to, as my mother used to say, I don't want to drive my stakes down too deep. Praise the Lord, because I've got, uh, I, I've, I've got uh, a better place ahead of me. Praise the Lord. But it's glorious to be in the kingdom of God and in church today. Because as crazy as the old world is around us, uh, we've still got a God that is on the throne. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, I realize it's midweek. I realize many of you have uh, worked all day, and uh, I, I don't know how to juggle, so to keep your attention, uh, I'll probably just have to uh, preach, <laughs> praise the Lord, or speak, praise God. But the Lord is good, the Lord is good, and uh, I've been looking around me, and uh, the condition of um, our world, our society. It's just uh, uh, something that I hope I never grow accustomed to, but it's uh, just, uh, I guess it's wishful thinking to believe that things would ever be as simple as they were once seemed to be. Maybe they weren't ever that simple. But when I was a child, I thought they were simple because they weren't my bills. <laughs> they weren't my problems. Uh, they were my parents' problems. So maybe that's why I thought it was so good. 
but God is, God is good. Praise the Lord. Um, from the first book of Samuel, we read a story, and I'm not going to be reading uh, directly from it now, so you don't worry about standing. Uh, but there is this story that we read early on in the book, and in uh, Shiloh lived an ancient man of God known as a priest, prophet, and he had grown very old and very fragile. And uh, when I was a younger man, I probably would have judged him more harshly than I do at this point in my life. Uh, we, we, we can't burn the candle at both ends. Uh, there's things that we would like to do, but we can't do. So we do what we can do, but I realize there's people saying, please speed up. Whenever we were kind of dragging our feet, my dad would always scream, please, son. Grandma's slow, but she's old. And uh, that was a nice way of telling me, pick it up a pace. Praise the Lord. But now when people say, don't just walk, run. I say, I am running. <laughs> This is my version of running. So this poor uh, man of God, he was, uh, the Bible lets us know he was, he was quite, quite old. His name was Eli. And um, there was a lady that came and he observed her praying. And it, her name was Hannah. And she was pleading with God to give her a child. And now there's always double or triple layers of meaning in the Word of God. And so when we read about uh, Hannah, uh, this is talking about more than a woman with a desire to have a child. Uh, it speaks a little bit about me and I should have this desire and I can't be happy unless I bear. It's, it's very important. So she was praying and Eli observed her praying, but... Uh, he kind of misread what was going on and actually thought that a woman had stumbled into the tabernacle and was drinking and was drunk. And he chastised her for coming into the house of the Lord drunk. And then she informed him, I am not drunk. I have not been drinking. I am burdened. I am burdened. Now I want to have a child. And I am praying that God would give me a child. And the Lord spoke to this old man. And uh, he, he spoke a word of faith to this lady and said, As you have prayed, you will have this child. God will give you a child. Now little did he know that this woman that was bawling so hard for a child was going to come back and give him to her. <laughs> he might not have prophesied the way he did. So you didn't want him very bad. You put him back on my doorstep, you know. Brought him back here. Do you think a 90-year-old man is wanting to raise a little kid? But uh, that's what she did. She, she promised God, if you'll give me a child, I will give that child back to you. So Eli inherited an infant. 
I'm sure he had some help. He wasn't doing all the diaper changing and, and everything that went with it. But he did have the responsibility of this child, a little boy named Samuel. Samuel was raised in the tabernacle. Samuel didn't know really anything as far back as he could remember but being in church. He lived in church. And so he grew up in this setting. And um, the Bible lets us know that uh, he was, he was a, a, a good young man. He, he had uh, become everything that Eli's boys were not. He was a good boy. And so as we find him praying to God and asking the Lord um, to direct his life, but still yet he, he's just a young boy, we find that one night Samuel is in his bed and he's sleeping and a voice wakes him up. And it is the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you, I cannot say I have ever heard the voice of God other than that still small voice that often speaks to my heart and mind. But Samuel had never heard God's voice, lived around the things of God all of his life. But he had never heard the voice of God. So when God spoke to Samuel, Samuel didn't recognize who was talking to him. So the Bible says that Samuel jumped up and he ran to where Eli was sleeping. And he said, here am I. Woke Eli up. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. I did not call you. So Samuel went back, a little bit confused maybe, got back in bed. He laid there a while and that, that voice again said, Samuel. Now this time I know Eli, unless he's talking in his sleep, that's Eli talking to me. And so he jumps up, he runs, and he wakes Eli up again. And he said, here am I. And at some point, Eli realized he's not hallucinating. This is the voice of the Lord speaking to Samuel. So Eli told Samuel, go back to bed. And the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Now Samuel, no doubt, the Bible lets us know that he was a good boy, he was a godly boy, he was a God-fearing boy, so there's nothing that you would look at him and say, well, no wonder he can't hear God, he's a, he's a ruffian, he's a rowdy, he's a, you know, he's a little minx. No, the, we don't find that in the Bible, but the voice of God was not familiar to him. So therefore, no matter how good of a boy he was, it, that, that's not the issue. The issue is he didn't know God's voice. He had never heard God's voice. 
But now we do, by continuing to read the Word of God, find out that he became very familiar with the voice of God. And as years went by, he knew that voice. Jesus Christ, talking about his disciples, said, My sheep know my voice. And you know, there's just something about the Lord speaking to us whether you're uh, in the middle of a rackety situation, you're in some trendy restaurant, or the newer kind that's got all the music going and people everywhere, and when you hear something familiar, for example, your name, how many times have, have, can you look back in your life and be walking uh, down the street, walking through a store, whatever, and somebody yells out, Kevin. And immediately you see they're looking in another direction, and you know, oh, they're not talking to me. But there's just something about my name. I may not recognize the voice, but if I hear my name, it turns my head. Sometimes it's involuntary. You know, I, I, I just look. There's times I know they're not talking about me. I just pass them and I know they don't know me, but I hear that name, it turns my head. Because maybe the voice isn't familiar, but the name is familiar. And so that stops me. But Samuel, as he walked with God, his relationship with God was such that no matter where he was, God could speak to him and he'd stop on a dime. And he knew this is the voice of God. When the elders and the leaders of Israel came to Samuel and said, we're, we're a little bit tired of this, discombobulated kingdom we're living in and we want to be like the other people and we want a king. We don't want to live in a theocracy. We want to live in a kingdom. And on several levels that offended Samuel. First of all, they're rejecting God. Secondly, we can't help it, they're rejecting me. They're saying we don't like your leadership. We don't think you have what it takes. We don't think you can take us where we want to go. For whatever reason, it offended him. And the Lord spoke to Samuel. And he heard the Lord loud and clear. Give them what they're wanting. Don't argue with them. Don't get all huffy. <laughs> Just give them what they're asking for. But then the Lord told Samuel this. But tell them, here's how it's going to be. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. And when you get a king, you're going to get everything that goes with a king. So the Lord told Samuel, let them have it. Don't fight them. Don't get all upset. Let them have their king. And then the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to pick out the king and anoint him. And he chose probably, Samuel didn't choose him, the Lord chose. 
One of the most unlikely people you could imagine. His name was Saul. And at the beginning of Saul's life, he was a very uh, shy man. He, he was a humble man. In fact, Samuel said to him, when you were humble in your own eyes, God chose you at that point in time. So it was Samuel, the voice of the Lord said, let him have a king, and he's going to be the king. But then a few years later, it was the voice of the Lord that told Samuel, go fire him. Folks, it's easy to hire, it's hard to fire. I remember years ago when I was in Bible college, old Brother Norris said, it's easy to put people in positions. It's hard to pull them out. So pray. Get the mind of God before you make certain moves because it's easier to get in the mess than to get out of the mess. But the Lord told him, it repents me that I even chose that man. And so because the voice of the Lord was very clear, Samuel went and found Saul and told him, you have disobeyed God. And the Lord has sent me to tell you that I would have established your kingdom forever, but it's finished as of right now. And God has directed me to find another man better than you that I will anoint to be king. Man, that's salt in the injury right there. So, a little later, the voice of the Lord speaks to Samuel again. He said, go to the house of Jesse. Go to Bethlehem. I'm going to direct you to the next king. So he went and he contacted uh, Jesse and he said to Jesse, matter of fact, he had to kind of go under false pretenses because Saul was already licking his wounds and had spies probably out watching him. He was uh, no doubt trying to figure out who is this better man you're going to get. I'll, I'll cut him off at the knees. So... He said, I'm going to come. He told Jesse, I'm going to come and you tell people, I've come with you to worship. We're going to worship. We're going to offer a sacrifice. But he came to look at his boys because the Lord said, that's where it's going to be. Of course, you know this story that Samuel, when he approached Jesse's family, Jesse brought his sons in and didn't think enough of David to even have him come with them. Talk about chopped liver. Said something very important is going to happen. So, boy, you go watch the sheep. We'll tell you what happened. And, of course, as each son of Jesse was paraded by Samuel, he heard that voice say, not him. Now, the first one probably wouldn't be a problem. The second one wouldn't be a problem. But the last one. Now, you sent me here. You've got us all kind of in jeopardy, Lord. <laughs> and you've turned down every one of his boys. And so he asked Jesse, is this it? This all you got? And he said, I got one, but he's just a kid. Just a kid. I left him out watching the sheep. And he said, go fetch him. Go fetch him. And so they brought in this little David, young man, 
And he heard the voice of the Lord again. He said, anoint him. Anoint him. He's going to be the next king. You know, all the brothers were green with envy. I don't think they would have been had they known what the next 40 years was going to be for David. (laughs) A nightmare. A good part of it. Running for his life. Treated like a criminal. Uh, Anarchy in his home. You name it. He, He had to put up with it. But Ultimately, that was the man that later on the Lord said, He is a man after my own heart. And we see all these people that God used, they all have something in common. They had a relationship with God, they knew His voice. They knew His voice. I I, I read a story one time, and. Whether it's fact or fiction, I know not. But work with me. There was a um, Native American that visited Manhattan. And as they were walking along, and if you've ever been there, you know day or night those sidewalks are shoulder to shoulder with people and racket and honking horns and commotion. And he stopped and he said, right in the middle of all of this, the, the Native American man said, I, I hear a cricket. And the guy said, how in the world can you hear a cricket? How can you hear a cricket in this din of noise? And he said, you hear what you're accustomed to hearing. And he looked around and he found a little spot where a tree was growing up through the concrete where they had cut a thing out. And he, here it is, he found the ticket, the cricket. And the guy said, that's unbelievable. And he said, no, it's not. Watch this. He pulled out a handful of change. He dropped it on the sidewalk and the sound of coins hitting it. And when he did, everybody around the money stopped and looked. He said, see, that's what they're listening for. They're listening for money. I'm hearing crickets. And the bottom line is, is that communication, a lot of that is getting accustomed to the voice, learning the voice. Folks, if there's one thing I have not mastered and I am so desirous of, I want to know the voice of God. We're making hard decisions. We're making big decisions. We're making decisions that will affect our families. We're making decisions decisions that might affect our church. If there's anything that kind of, I guess I was naive, but when I came uh, came into the ministry and especially into the pastoral ministry, I. I was shocked to learn how fickle people can be and how they're absolutely in love with me. And if I was to leave, they'll just be hanging off my left leg. I'd have to just drag them. A couple years later, they want to tar and feather me. I mean, just turned on a dime. Turned on a dime. And you know, 
whether you're a pastor, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're just a parent, whatever it may be, um, you get sideswiped. Life surprises you. Life throws us curveballs. We come to forks in the road. And as one sage said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've heard the story of the, uh, I forget which rhyme or story it come from, but uh, where um, was it Alice in Wonderland that came to the fork in the road? And the owl asked, where are you going? And she responded, I don't know. He said, then either road will work. <laughs> if you don't know, just take a road and go. I don't want to play that way. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to make you get down on me, but I don't trust me that much. I've learned at this point in my life, I can make mistakes fast. And they last long. And so, oh my God, don't let me mess up. When we walk with God, I don't know how we expect to survive when we're trying to go it alone. Can't do that. It's not humanly possible. We can't do that. I, I don't want to try not to minister or pastor. I don't even want to try to be a Christian without the hand of God directing me, without the voice of God in my life. I don't want to just flip a coin on decisions that I make in life. I don't want to just say, oh, well, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to be able to hear God's voice and know with assurity, even because after you listen to God and you follow God, you still get mauled. <laughs> Things still blow up. You say, then what's the, what's the difference? The difference is I'm on the right road. When they're done whipping on me, I'm heading in the right direction still. <laughs> I'm, I might be a little battered and bruised, but I know this much. When I have heard from God, I don't look back. I don't say, I think I messed up. Did you hear from God? Did the Lord speak to you? If the Lord is directing you, if the Lord is speaking to you, then don't question it. Yes, it's going to rain. Yes, there's going to be a storm here and there. Yes, there's going to be dead times. I wish every day of my life was a victory march. Heard one man say, like, you know, he said, at times I'm like David, you know, I could run through a troop and jump over a wall. There's other times I feel like I ran into a wall and a troop ran over me. The thing is, though, I know God sent me here. God directed me. I'm not going to question God. Oh, now, there's things along the way. I still make mistakes. I still sometimes shoot my own self in the foot. But I'm headed in the right direction. And I have found in living for God... He is very interested on where you're headed. Not where you've been. Where you're headed. 
I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Anybody here ever been lost? No, I don't mean Mickey Mouse lost. I don't mean that you got lost in Tulsa because somebody's going to get you out of there if it's a tow truck or a cop, you know. You'll get out of there eventually. You'll, you'll end up where you're wanting to go. I got lost, and I mean I got lost big time in a forest in the Smoky Mountains. And I thought I, thought I was safe. <laughs> My wife and uh, those that we were with, they, there was a cabin, and they were all sleeping or something, and I thought, well, I'm not just going to lay around here and twiddle my thumbs. I'm going to go walk up a trail. I, well, what could go wrong? I got my cell phone. GPS, whole nine yards. <laughs> I'm good. I walked for a while. And suddenly I'm thinking, where am I? I think, you know what? I think I better start heading back. And there's an old pickup sitting out there. An old logging pickup. It was an international. It had sat there so long that an entire tree was growing up through the hood. And uh, I thought, well, that's unique. And I've got a bunch of pictures on my phone of that truck. That was kind of get my mind off the fact I'm lost. I'm lost. And so I thought, it's not that hard. I'm not that far away. So I started trying to go in a certain direction. And I, I'm thinking, this, this seems familiar. I think, yeah, I think I'm back on the path. And next thing you know, <laughs> there's another truck out there, just like that last one. Tree growing up through it. Just a touch of panic starting to set in now. Because I thought I knew where I was going. And so I went walking again, long story short, third truck. I've always heard you walk in circles. They're not kidding. They're not kidding. I think I found this creek and I'm following it. That, the creeks must circle out there. But it, all, re, all roads lead to an international truck in that forest. And here was the kicker. I pull out my cell phone. I'm going to call my wife and say, y'all go ahead and eat. <laughs> no bars, no nothing. I thought, well, okay, I can look and see where I'm at here. Nothing. I don't have anything. I can't call. I can't see where I'm at. So I think a little bit of a panic attack setting in. Now I'm starting to hear things, you know, walking around me, bears. And I'm walking again. And this time it's like I am not going to go where I went before. I'm kind of... Wearing a path there. I, I know that. I'm not going to walk on that path. And I walked in a different direction, and I didn't get any nearer where I was headed, but I came out on a gravel road. And I thought, one thing, gravel roads are made by humans. So a team of wild horses won't drag me back in those woods. I'm on this road to stay. And so I, you know, they got trees there to grow up to the, to the heavens. So I couldn't see north, south, east, west, so I just started walking. And I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm thinking, eventually somebody's got to live on this road. Why would they build a road, you know, that nobody lived on? Man, I never saw anybody. And I walked, and I walked, and I walked, and I walked, 
And I didn't find anybody, but I did get a bar. And so I called my wife, and she said, where are you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> where are you at? I said, I don't know. But she, can you come get me? And she said, if you'll tell me where you're at, I, said, I don't know where I'm at. What was I, maybe 10 miles? The y'all drove to finally find me. But, uh, man, I was so lost. I was so lost. And that's an awful long story to just simply bring it to home. That's the way we all are without God. We think we know where we're going. We think we got a game plan. I've read a lot of uh, books. My brother loved to read uh, Second World War stories, true stories and things. He, he, he was really a scholar when it comes to Second World War. But one of the things he'd always say that he read multiple times is that the generals say that we make all of our plans to go to war. But when the first bullet is fired, the plans change. Because people aren't attacking us where they were supposed to attack us from. Things aren't happening the way they should have happened. People I thought I could trust have dropped their guns and ran. You know. So we make our plans. But those plans are only good as long as we can keep our minds halfway together. In the middle of the battle... My son was talking about this, and I'll, I'll bring this to a close because it's a simple thought, but I think it's a, an important thought. He read about a, a sniper uh, in the military, and he was a well-known sniper, and he had been thoroughly trained on what he should do because he was needing to get close enough to where the target was that he was supposed to take out, uh, that it would be almost impossible to get that close and not be detected. So there was a plan. They had given him a game plan, and that was that you, you, you wear this kind of camouflage, you do this, that, the other. When you get beyond a certain point, there's a creek, and then when you get beyond that, you lay in the grass. You move one hand at a time, just for a second, and you lay there maybe for 20 minutes before you move again. And he said there's, sounds well and good, but he said when you're out there in the jungle or whatever, when you're laying, snakes are coming by you. All kinds of rodents start wandering up on you. Bugs start biting you. Uh, you start getting hot. You start to itch. And he said, at some point, you don't think clearly anymore. You're starting to freak out. You're starting to, and something, and he had been trained, thoroughly trained. Something inside of you says, just take the shot and get out of here. But his training has said, not from here. You won't be successful. You have got to get closer. That ridge right there is where you must get, and it might take you another day to get there, but it's not going to work. 
And so basically what they had drilled into him because he had gone through that in mock training for, year, for a long time. You must, at some point in the process, realize, I'm getting delirious. The heat's getting to me. The bugs are getting to me. I'm not thinking clearly. Stay with the plan. We have a plan. Stay with the plan. Nothing will work unless I stay with the plan. Sometimes in our life it seems like bullets are flying. Sometimes in our life it seems like we're running in place. Sometimes in our life it seems like every direction I walk is uphill with the wind in my face. Sometimes in my life it's just that old phrase, I can't win for losing. And that's when the old devil and a lot of my friends become Job's comforters. And they start either accusing me of nothing could, be this go, nothing could go this wrong if you're really who you say you are and you're really living like you say you're living. So they're saying, oh, come on. <laughs> Something's going on. Something's going on. And you have to put up with that. And you have to put up with the jeering from the enemy and from those who would love to see you fail. But something inside of you has said, I've heard the voice of God. And he started me on this path. And the God that started me is going to finish. He's going to take me to the end. As sure as your journey has an entry point, it has an exit point. And there will come a time in your life when God Almighty will say, that's good. I'd like to just touch on one thing that the Lord spoke to me a long time ago about, and maybe it's not new to you, but it's kind of something that I've clutched hold of. And that is that when I look at the life of Job... Job, I don't know, you know, when everything is going perfect, it's kind of, that's all, that, that can be scary because you're afraid when's this, when's this thing going to come to an end? When's my ride going to stop? When's my good fortune? You know, you know, one thing about being poor, you know, when you're broke, you can't, you can't lose any more money. They're saying, oh, have you heard what's going on in the stock market? Who gives a rip? <laughs> Ain't affected my world. Ain't affected me in the least bit. Because, you know, but Job had these children, and we know that he had concerns because the Bible said that he would offer sacrifices for all of his children every day in case they may be doing something he doesn't know anything about. And so, you know, there's fears. I got good kids. I, I believe they're the salt of the earth, but... Just in case they got the wool pulled over my eyes. You know, if everything's good, then I start worrying about, is, is it all really all this good? But then the bottom falls out. And the Lord allows the enemy to come after him because the enemy has said, He only serves you because you protect him, because you have blessed him beyond measure. Who wouldn't love a God that gives them everything they want? 
And so the Lord said, okay, go ahead. I have confidence in this man. And ultimately, he just about took everything from him, including just his human dignity. Everything was stripped from him. And we do find, and I've scratched my head about that, God says he's perfect, but you know, about midway in this journey, he started doing a lot of griping. He got very defensive. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? You know, I know that God can, if he wants to, take stuff away from me, but don't start telling me it's because I, I've had an affair that you've just made up from whole cloth. You know, and they said, there's a woman. You know, no, there's not. Oh, come on. Come clean with us. These things don't happen for nothing. And so then, next thing you know, he's getting defensive. But here's the thing that the Lord let me see. Job was human. None of us could probably withstand the pressures that the enemy could bring to bear forever. We'd snap. It's just, you, you just, uh, I had a good friend back in Oklahoma City that was a prisoner guard at the El Reno Federal Reformatory. And uh, they had a lot of old white-collar uh, criminals that would come to that prison. And he said they were scared to death because, you know, they had nice jobs, lived in a nice part of town. They never mixed with this kind of people. And they were scared. They were threatened on every angle, and these, these rough guys in prison would love to just intimidate you and move you around, slap you around, and threaten you day and night. And so I asked this brother, I said, why don't they just go into solitary confinement? And he said, they can. We'll let them if they want to. I said, then why don't they? And I said, he said, usually they do go, but you can't stand that very long. Because if you want solitary, you're going to get solitary. You'll see nobody. You'll hear nothing. You'll be in a little square. You, you, you have one light bulb, day and night. And he said, they'll be in there a day or two, and they're screaming, get me out of here. And they say, well, you've got to go back in the population. Let me. <laughs> Let them kill me. I can't stand being in here. And all I'm just saying is that no matter what the situation as a human being, we, at some point, would probably break. But here's what I saw in Job. I believe that God looked at what had happened to Job, how much had happened to Job, and how fast so many things had happened to Job. And God knew Job is reaching his breaking point. But I let the enemy test him but not break him. So there comes a point when God says, stop the experiment, quit. It's over. Get away from him. Minister to him. Help him. Strengthen him. Bless him. He came back with double. God, God just, okay, when it's over with, look here, devil, here's what I think I'll do. I'll double everything he had before you went after him. I will bless him beyond measure. But just be, be aware of this and, and grab hold of this as you go through life. And that is that God 
has promised us, I will not let you experience or, or, or I will not let you carry more than you can bear. And I used to think, what, you know, sometimes I think, man, I'm either awful strong, you got a lot of faith in me because I'm about to snap. But he doesn't want me to snap. He doesn't want you to snap. There is an escape. There's always a way. And we may look <laughs> for an escape route. But this evening, the Lord is trying to instill in all of us, no matter if you're locked in what you think is solitary, I can't get out of here, I can't communicate, I can't see anybody, I can't feel. seems like my prayers just bounce off the ceilings. Maybe claustrophobia sets in. I'm in this little room and I can't stand it. Well, maybe this will help you. Every room in life has a door. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. You keep communicating with him. You're talking to the doorkeeper. You're talking to the doorkeeper. In the name of Jesus, folks, we don't come into meetings like this. We don't gather and talk about, usually we don't, if we want to keep our friends. We don't, we don't bear every time we come together, every horrible thing that happens, every ache and pain. Haven't you been sorry you asked somebody how they're doing? They think you mean it. <laughs> and they tell you. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, give me the Reader's Digest version. I, I got to be home before midnight. You know. But we all go through those. We all have those things. And we all try and put on a, a, a good front. But I happen to know that we all struggle with emotional, with mental, with spiritual things, with, with uh, hurts and losses that I, you may tell me, well, somebody did this to me when I was a little child. And something inside of me saying, well, big deal. Grow up. But we've all got things <laughs> that eat on us and we just can't seem to crawl out from under. But the one thing we cannot lose is the ability to hear God. One of the things I think that the enemy is doing in this last day is destroying communication. How many people got a phone call today? How many people got a text today? How many people got an email today? You see, we live in a world that would rather not talk to anybody. Because if I talk to you, then I'm going to have to listen to you. If I text you, I can shoot you what I want. I can ignore if you text me back. Because this is my little world in the text world, in the email world. I used to wonder, and I, you know, and I heard a man the other day, and I thought, well, this makes sense. You know what? He said that, uh, why are you surprised that there's so much confusion and so much, uh, these people saying that I, I'm, I'm a girl. I'm a boy. And you say, 
come on. You know better than that. And he said, but maybe they think they are. They're 29 years old. They still live in their parents' basement. Their whole world is virtual. They got a fake name, a fake identity, a fake everything in their world. And that becomes the real world. And all of a sudden, they start believing I can create my own reality, and you're supposed to live in my reality. And it really upsets them. They join Antifa or something. It really upsets them when you won't march in my parade. And I don't understand why you want, because, you know, it's my virtual world, and you can't. Folks, that destroys our ability to get along. That destroys our ability to understand one another. You can't really understand... When I have somebody that starts texting me, I'm old school. When it dawns on me, okay, now wait a minute. You're starting to ask questions. It takes words. And I'll text them and say, call me. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and, with these big fat fingers on this little bitty phone and type a book. You know, call me. You know, Better yet, you're in the other room. Walk over here and we'll talk. That's novel. That's novel. But I, I, I close with this. I feel like I ran off the, down the path, but I didn't. We can't have a virtual relationship with our God. I was talking to my wife before church. If waking up in the middle of the night, and this is a good thing, I'm not discouraging it, but if waking up in the middle of the night going, Oh, Lord. That's not a prayer life. Glad you do it. Maybe you'd even once in a while get up and pray for somebody. That's good. It's not conversation. It's not communication. There's no way that I can just once in a while go, Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. And have a real handle on what he's saying to me and a game plan. We need the game plan. How do we do that? Isaiah writing to a backslidden Israel, Israel that had lost their way. He said, these words always jump out, learn to do well. You say, well, I can't do that. No, everything worthwhile takes practice. Learn to. Learn to take time. Learn that voice. Recognize it. Because when that voice speaks, that's when I stop and I listen. Because it's going to give me direction. Praise God. Lord, help you. Lord, help me. Lord, help us all to hear that voice. I'm afraid my prayer life sometimes is just me talking past God. You ever hear of the term, the dialogue of the deaf? I've had those with people before. You're talking to that person, that person's talking to you, and neither one of us is listening to them. You know, you know the people in your life, they're, when they're not talking, they're just waiting for somebody to take a breath so they can jump in. You know, and I can't, that's not a prayer life. We need to hear the Lord and know it was the Lord. You hear it, and you know it's Him.
you're halfway home. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? Thank you, Brother Nance. That was an awesome word. We make our Christianity, our walk with God, complex based on schedules and things. I mean, it's good that we're going to do this jamboree, and I'm glad. But, but that's not who we are. We're the, we're the people who know our God and, and shall do exploits. And so we're looking for the opportunity for the Lord to shine through us. And uh, I appreciate this church. We are perfectly located in Chelsea, Oklahoma, that we can impact towns around us. We, we have a place that has room to grow. We can develop new programs as we need to based on the need. And um, we are just smack dab in the middle of, I believe, what the Lord would like to do. Amen. And so I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad I'm here. And I'm so thankful the answers aren't far away, that we can have them come and minister the word to us. And uh, that was very good. Thank you, Brother Nance. Praise God. Why don't we give the Lord thanks and praise tonight in closing. Lord, we are so honored, thankful, Lord, to be in a place where we learn to listen to your voice, where we feel and impressed, Lord, the impressions of the Lord where your word is resounding and resonating in our lives, where truth, oh God, is something that is able for us to obtain. Lord, I praise you and I thank you so much for what you're doing. Help us to leave this place renewed and encouraged. Lord, give the church strength. Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord. I pray that you return, brother and sister Little, as they travel back from their vacation. Lord, bless and keep all the folks that are not here tonight. Bless those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that you would richly bless each and every one, that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. Let us draw closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. We will see you Sunday, Lord willing. Amen.